Thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. So a couple of weeks ago, as we've been going through this passage or through the book of First Thessalonians, we, we talked about the idea of holiness. And we talked about the, the concept and idea that um, as Christians... As Christians, we kind of struggle with this idea that we are holy and that, that God says that we are holy, and, uh, but we still kind of have this view of ourselves as unclean, as, as impure. And so we, we kind of, I'm not going to say we disagree with God, but maybe we find conflict in our understanding of God going, hey, as a Christian, as a child of God, you are holy. And we look at ourselves and we just go, God, there's, there's no way. I know that you say I am, but there's no way that I really am holy the way that you think I'm holy. So as we kind of had some of those conversations and I thought, you know, it might be very beneficial to take some time and talk about this idea of holiness, of, of being set apart. Because really within Scripture, that's what holiness is. Uh, it is this idea that I am set apart or taken out of a group of something. Uh, in, in our context, we are taken out of the world and set apart for a holy purpose in God. So we're going to spend some time lo- looking at this together. First Peter 2 verse 9 is kind of maybe our launch point. Uh, we're going to come back to this at the beginning of, of each lesson. But God says this through Peter. He says, but you are... Now remember last week we talked about these things. Uh, the indicative comes before the imperative. There are things in Scripture that because we are children of God, we automatically are these things. And this is one of those passages. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. So we see in the first part that we are these things. We are chosen. We are royal we are holy, we are a special possession, and because of those things, there are some things that we must do. We must declare the praises of Him who called us out of darkness into His wonderful light. So we're going to talk about this idea, and hopefully by the end of of our time together today and over the next couple of weeks, you'll have a little bit better concept of this idea of holiness and being set apart in your own life. So one of the things, that, one of the reasons that I think we struggle with this idea comes from um, maybe a misunderstanding, maybe not a misunderstanding, but a misconception of who we are. One of the things, one of, one of the phrases in Scripture that I love so much is this idea that we are made in the image of God. We are made in the image of God. And I've heard a lot of different lessons and, and thoughts on this idea of what it means to be made in the image of God because Scripture says that, but it doesn't really go further into describing that. So there's been a lot of maybe commentary on that. One of the things that I think of in that manner is that just like God is threefold in nature, there is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Scripture tells us that we are threefold beings as well, that we are made up of body, soul, and spirit. Now, 
the idea of body, I think that we all get, we all understand. We understand physicalness, don't we? We understand if I pinch myself, it hurts. That's my body. That is part of my makeup. Then there is our soul. There is that part of us. Our soul is kind of that decision-making part of our being. It is the part that either chooses to sin or not to sin. And it is the part that we really see and kind of focus on, all right? It is that part of us that when we mess up, that is the part that is stained, if you will. And so when we think of ourselves and the, the decisions that we make, we think of our soul. We think of that decision part that we mess up at times. But then there's also our spirit. That is our life breath. That is the, the part that God breathed into us to bring us to life. And that is the difference in us and all other living things in creation is we have a spirit. We have the breath of God living within us. Now, at our baptism, we're also told that we receive whose spirit? God's spirit. And if you will allow me, it's almost as if God's spirit and our spirit infuse with each other, okay? They become one. And so as we may look at ourselves, we see our soul, the part of us that messes up and the part of us that makes mistakes, when we become children of God, God doesn't see us through the, through the filter of our soul. He sees us through the filter of our spirit, which is infused with His Holy Spirit, which by nature then makes us what? Holy. Now, that is a very tip of the iceberg explanation of all of that. But I want you to understand this morning that as you think about yourself, think about yourself in this biblical way of being this threefold being and that God, although we focus on the soul, God focuses and sees us through the filter of his spirit that lives in us. Now, what, what does all of that have to mean? Well, because we live that way and we have that, 1 Corinthians 7 verse 1 says, therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. This is kind of, if you will, the imperative that we're going to kind of get to today. But because God sees us this way and because we have this ability to be holy, this is also a process that we must, as he says here, we must perfect, we must continue in. If we want to be holy, as God has said we are holy and continue to be holy, then there is a lifestyle that has to go along with that. And I believe we would all agree with that, wouldn't we? We would all agree that there's a certain lifestyle in which we must live to stay in that way. And one of the things that I thought about this week, and, and I posted, no, this isn't the one I posted, I posted something else this week on Facebook, but this statement um, I've thought a lot about this week. As America becomes increasingly pagan or, or, or less like God and more like Satan, okay, because that is what our country is becoming. Many of you um, of our older generation grew up in a time and a place within our country where not everybody was Christians, but most everybody shared a core Christian value kind of set of values about themselves. Well, wouldn't you agree that we may not have all been Christians, but we lived kind of all in that same direction, that those Christian values ruled more of our society than they do now. But as America becomes increasingly pagan, God's church, which is who? Us. 
God's church is going to have to make a hard decision about how to practice both sacrificial love and uncompromising holiness. And we talked about this a little bit a couple of weeks ago, this idea that as people are coming to the cross and they're coming to Jesus, we deal with them in grace and love. We teach truth, but we come through it with the filter of grace and love. But when we have someone that knows better, okay, when we have a prodigal son situation, if you will, that here I am, I've been a Christian, I've been a child of God, and I'm choosing to walk away, then we come and we demand purity from them and we deal with them in teaching and doctrine, okay? And so as you think about that idea, though, and as I have thought about this for a few weeks, there does seem to be times where grace and love and doctrine sometimes rub in friction with each other. Do you ever feel that? How, how, how can I be true to doctrine and teaching, but yet still be grace Field, grace filled and loving in the process. Because sometimes it feels like those sit down, honest, maybe blunt conversations are just that. They're blunt and they don't feel like they have a lot of grace. And sometimes those grace and loving conversations feel like they need more of something else. And sometimes they, they I, I don't believe that they live in conflict with each other because Scripture says that we have to be all of these things. But sometimes we have a hard time figuring out how to live both of these. Are we going to be this type of church or are we going to be this type of church when really Scripture says you're all of it, okay? You're all of it. But we have to make up our mind because... You see it every day, I see it every day. Every day our country is taking a close, a step closer to Satan. I think we would all agree on that. So how do we as the church, how do we as the church live and make this decision that we are going to be sacrificially loving and helping people in grace field, but at the same time, be uncompromising in our holy living to God. And and, and to understand that, I think we really have to get to this place where we understand what holiness is. So I'm I'm going to talk about a couple of things today, and we're going to pick back up and and finish those things next week and, and then probably the week after. But the first thing I want us to think about in this process is we need to take sin seriously. We need to take sin seriously. And why do we need to take sin seriously? Because who takes it serious? God. God takes sin serious. Now, one of the things that I see in in church, in in maybe the church world a little bit, and this is what we're talking about, about uncompromised holiness, is our society tends to kind of, to come and go in waves at times, okay? The moral standard may be up here at times, and then it may dip down, and then it may come back. And what we are as, as Christians, we're supposed, our moral code, our moral standing is to be above the world, right? And so we feel like a lot of times, as long as I'm above the world, I'm okay. But if we follow the same trajectory as the world, even though we're above the world, we're still not living uncompromised holiness. So if the world tends to dip, and we dip with them, even though we're still above them in our holiness, in our values, we're still slipping, we're still sliding. God says, your standard is here. You live here regardless of what the world does right here. All right? 
And that's where this first statement and idea comes from, is take sin seriously because God does. Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'll give you a second to get there. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, that's where we're going to kind of park and study from for the next few minutes together. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and I'll put it up on the screen, but I want you to find this in your, in your Bibles as well. Starting in verse 14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belal? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? So Paul starts out, he's going to ask some questions. He's talking about this idea of taking sin serious. And he says, look, there are things and situations in your life that as children of God, you have no reason to be involved in. He says, do not be yoked together. Do not be joined together. Do not be tied together with people who are unbelievers and say, I have nothing to do with God. And his next question, it's a rhetorical question. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What's the answer? Nothing. Nothing. Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Nothing. And then he makes a statement that we're kind of unfamiliar with maybe the last word. What harmony is there between Christ and Bilal? And, 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 and this had kind of become a, a culture and a word that originally just meant trash. Okay? Trash. So what harmony is there between Christ and trash? And then in the Jewish world, it had become a word that had become to represent Satan and sin and the trash of life. So what harmony is there between Christ and Satan? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? He, he keeps on going and says here at the end, okay, so here's some things that I want us to think about in this, in this text. In our life, we need to draw a bold line between serving God and serving Bilal or serving Satan. And that's supposed to say, don't blur it, but it says, don't blue it. So that was a mistake. Don't blur the line. That, that, that idea is about a standard, isn't it? That idea is about a standard. Let's, let's go back. I didn't put these in the order I wanted to. Um, let's, let's keep going with this idea. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will live with them and walk with them or walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Okay, so the first idea here is we have to draw a, a, a line in what we believe is right and what we believe is wrong. We cannot allow our values as Christians to be based upon the values of the world. We can't do that. Our values have to be centered and, 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 and grounded in Scripture. We have to say that there is nowhere that I am going, I, I'm, I'm going to say this is what is right, this is what is wrong, and I'm going to do my best to always stand on that which is scriptural and right. We have to draw that bold line. And here's the next idea. That's important because those who suppress truth by their sin will face the wrath of God. Suppressed truth 
will always turn in to redefine truth. Listen to that statement. Suppressed truth will always turn into redefined truth. So what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, if I choose in my life that I know, I know that this is true. I know that the things in this book are true. But I'm going to suppress it. I'm not going to live by that. I'm not going to let that rule my life. I'm not going to draw that bold line and say, this is as far as I go on certain things and certain issues. I always stand on the side of God. I am then, if I suppress those things, then I am going to begin to redefine what truth is in my life. I'm going to look at the things of the world around me and go, okay, I have suppressed God here, as Paul put it at the end of Second or First Thessalonians, I have suppressed the Holy Spirit in my life, then I'm going to allow other things, other places, other people, other situations to then redefine what truth is in my life. Now, that is a big thing in our culture and our society today, right? You live your truth and I'll live mine. You believe what you want to believe, I'll believe. And, and, and like I've said before, following Christ is a decision. You volunteer to do that. But once you make that commitment, he says, don't suppress my truth. Don't blur the lines. Don't let the things outside of the walls of my kingdom be the things that define truth for you in your life, okay? And if you do that, if you suppress truth, you will face the wrath of God. Now, you, you all know I'm not, I'm not hellfire and brimstone type of guy. It's not my, my nature. I, I, I'm a, a more positive, you know, let, let's, let's focus on, I'm, let's let my motivation be where I'm going as opposed to not where I, as opposed to where I don't want to go. Is that right? Is that how you say that? Let's let my motivation be positive. I'm going this way instead of scaring people with this back here. But the truth is there has to be a healthy respect for both, right? Because if I redefine my truth, Scripture says that I will be judged, not just by God, but by the wrath of God. Romans chapter 1, he says a couple of things. Verse 18, verse 21, verse 24. These are sections from all those. It says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Their thinking became uh, futile and their foolish hearts were darkened, therefore God gave them over to the sinful desires of their heart. Okay, so we will face the wrath of God. But then here's the next thing in this idea that, that is very challenging to me. Okay, this is, the, this is one of the ideas that's maybe the most challenging. Remember that those who approve of sin commit treason against God. Okay, did I put this in here? Let's see. No, I didn't. Um, Romans chapter 1, verse 32. Maybe one of the most challenging, when we think about holiness, one of the most challenging scriptures on this topic comes from Romans chapter 1, verse 32. He says, Although they know God's righteous decrees that those who do such things deserve death, okay, he's talking about sinful things, they deserve death, they do not only continue to do these very things, but listen to this last statement, but also approve of those who practice them. Listen to that last statement, but also approve of those who practice them. That's a challenging statement for me. Because sometimes we have this idea of, hey, let Jonathan live his life. I'm going to be friends with Jonathan. And even though I know he's living his life 
by redefining his truths, okay? Even though I know he's an LSU fan, and most of us would agree that that's not the greatest decision in the world, okay? I go, still gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm still going to just, you know, let him be who he is. I may not feel that way, but let him be who he is. But God says, hey, look, even though you're not practicing it, if you let them know, hey, I don't believe it, but hey, I, go ahead and live your life the way you want to. Just, I'm still going to be your friend. He says, you can't even approve it. It is just as wrong to approve sinful lifestyle as it is to live sinful lifestyle. That's a hard pill to swallow, isn't it? When you're on Facebook or social media and you, um, you share something that someone else has posted, and maybe, and I've seen people do it, Christians do it, even, even, even maybe some of people in this room, they share things that are vulgar, un, un, unbiblical, they are hateful, okay? And, and it may not have been something you said, but you approve of it, and you, and, you, and you then put it out there, you like it, you share it, you con- He says, you're not living a life of holiness. He says, holiness is about a different level. It's about living above the world. It is about taking sin seriously because God does. And this idea is so hard for us to live because it calls us to a higher level of acceptance in our life of saying, I'm accepting God. I'm taking this serious and I'm not going to have anything to do with this over here. And sometimes that means losing friends. Sometimes that means losing family members. Sometimes it means losing Christians because they're not willing to make that commitment. But take sin seriously because God does. Here's the next idea. Be God's temple and separate yourself from sinfulness. Be God's temple and separate yourself from sinfulness. Um, let's let's kind of go on down. He goes, he says, for we are God's, we are the temple of God. Ah, I'm ahead of myself. For we are the temple of the living God. As he has said, I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my t- people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. So the first thing that he says here, okay, he says we must come out from among them. Man, I topped this really fast. Uh, Among them, establishing a countercultural community characterized by holiness and based out of reverence for God. So what does that statement all mean? Well, here's what I want you to understand this morning, that as Christians, and this is maybe the more, maybe a little bit more positive kind of direction of this, is as Christians, we are to create this society, maybe society, community, within our church that looks so different from the world. When the world is compromising everything, we're standing here in love and grace and, and, and truth. We're standing in these things. And when the world is falling apart, they should be able to look at us and go, they're not, they're not falling apart like everyone else. Why is that? It's because of where we're grounded. It's because of the things that we have established ourselves in. 
It is because God is our focus among everything else. And he says that even though the world may crumble around us and we may face difficulties, he says, don't be surprised when you face difficulties. But he says, your motivation is different. The world's motivation is myself taking care of me, getting what I want, getting what I need. God says, as Christians, your motivation is serving God, getting to that eternal reward. And he says, that's going to help you stay focused. And in that process, we create... We create a home of love, of purity, of holiness, of reverence. We come out of the world. We say we live for something so much more. And you know, we've seen this lived out. That when tragedy strikes, when buildings crumble, where do people start turning to? They start turning back to places like this, don't they? To people like us. Why? Because of where we're grounded. Because of where we're rooted. We have to be that place. And that comes with taking sin serious, taking holiness serious, and saying, hey, we're going to love everybody and we're going to accept you, but we're going to accept you in the context of reverence to God above everything else. But the next thing he says is he says, perfect your holiness. And I love this phrase because I think for a lot of us, we struggle with that idea that we're supposed to be holy. We do, don't we? We struggle with that idea. But I think that this implies a couple of things. Number one, it implies that we must make holiness our strategic goal. It needs to be our focus. I'm going to perfect this. I've got to work at this. I've got to keep moving in this, okay? I've got to say, this is the direction that I'm heading, and I'm working in that direction. But it also tells me, and this is what I love, that God knows we're not there. God understands that I'm not perfect. God doesn't require perfection. Can you say amen to that this morning? God does not require perfection. He requires holiness. He requires us to live in this direction. Okay? So God knows that we're not there. So let's build a holy community while also showing amazing grace as we do. None of us are where we want to be. And that's not a knock on anybody. That's just a realization None of us are as holy as we want to be today, are we? The thing is, is are we more holy than we were a year ago? Are we living it better today than we used to? Are we taking those steps every single day to get closer to that goal that God has called us to, that standard God has called us to live by? And understand that it's going to take amazing grace from all of us to get all of us there. And God says, I understand that, I know that, and, and, and I've made room for that in this process. And so be God's temple and separate yourself from sinfulness. So all the stuff that I want to share with you on this subject is not going to, is not going to fit into one, into one lesson today. This is one and two of what was supposed to be a three-part sermon. So I want you to take this. I want you to think about this and pray on this. And, and, and the first half of this is maybe a little more, I'm not going to say negative, but it's maybe a little more challenging. I want you to come back next week and we're going to finish this particular thought and we're going to end it with some, some things that we can do, some positive steps that we can make 
to be more holy in this process, to take sin more serious, to separate ourselves from the world. And then also we're going to talk about the idea that God will bless us if we stand for holiness. So this is part one of, of two. And then we have a third one that we're going to wrap up this idea with. But as we kind of bring this thought to a close this morning, we, we, we were saving communion to last because I want you to understand what you have in Christ Jesus today. Okay? I want you to understand that the holiness that, that is in you and, and the purity that's in you and the spirit that lives within you and I want you to think and focus on those things and that relationship we have with God today as we take communion here in just a few moments. But as we kind of get in that direction, we do want to give you the chance. We call it the invitation, but give you the chance this morning to think about the direction you're moving, to think about the decisions that you've made, to think about the truth in which you stand for and live on. Is it a, a, a defined truth or is it a redefined truth? in your walk with God. There is beyond the azure blue a God concealed from human If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ, caring for its community.